Lokan samagran vatanayar jvalati Tejo virapuya jagat samagram Vasasthavogra pratapanti vishno O Vishnu, I see you devouring all people in your flaming mouths and covering the universe with your immeasurable rays. Scorching the worlds, you are manifest. Akyahi meko bhavanugra rupo namostute devavara prasita kyatum vichchami bhavantamadayam Nahi prachanamitava pravriti. O Lord of Lords, so fierce of perform, please tell me who you are. I offer my obeisances unto you. Please be gracious to me. I do not know what your mission is, and I desire to hear it. Sri Bhagavan Uvacha. Kalosmi lokakshaya krit prabrito lokan samaharutumiha prabrita prite pitvam na babashyanti sarve ye vashtita pratyani kheshujodha. The Blessed Lord said, Time I am, destroyer of the worlds, and I have come to engage all people with the exception of you, the Pandavas. All the soldiers here on both sides will be slain. Purport by Srila Prabhupada. Although Arjuna knew that Krishna was his friend and the Supreme Personality of Godhead, he was nonetheless puzzled by the various forms exhibited by Krishna. Therefore he asked further about the actual mission of this devastating force. It is written in the Vedas that the Supreme Truth destroys everything, even Brahma. Eventually all the Brahmins, Kshatriyas and everyone else will be devoured by the Supreme. This form of the Supreme is the all-devouring giant, and here Krishna presents himself in that form of all-devouring time. Except for a few Pandavas, everyone who is present in that battlefield would be devoured by him. Here we find the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Sri Hadi, revealing to Arjuna a most unattractive form which is intolerable for Arjuna to behold. In the next few verses we find that Arjuna is begging Krishna, please take away, remove this horrible form which is destroying everything and everyone. And let me see the beauty of your two-handed form as my loving, well-wishing friend. There is a beautiful song by Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur. 
in which he sings Tumi Sarveshwaraishwara Vrajendra Kumara Tomar Ichaya Vishwe Srijana Samhara Tumi Sarveshwaraishwara Rajendra Nandana Kumar. The Supreme Personality of Godhead. He is the controller of all controllers. Everyone within this material world has their realm of control. We are all Ishwaras. Ishwara means to control. The insignificant insect considers himself to be the controller of my little grain of sugar. This is mine. The animals, like the dog in the street, when they bark at you, ruff, 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 ruff. In India, everywhere dogs are barking at you. It is because each dog can think, is thinking within his own mind that I am the controller of this place and you have no right to come into my jurisdiction. Our spiritual master, Srila Prabhupada, he used to, from the age of 70 till he left this world at the age of 81, he traveled around the world 12 times, so he was constantly going through immigration. And his conclusion was that these immigration officers in most countries, their mentality is just like dogs. Ruff, 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 ruff. This is my country. What do you want? Who are you? Ah. So from the most insignificant jivatma, everyone thinks that they are controller. Material life means that we all want to be the controllers. We want to be the lord of all we survey. This is the great disease. In fact, this is the only disease. If you can give up your desire to be the controller, the Lord, then you are liberated. But as long as we are holding on to this principle, to that extent we are bound by the clutches of Maya. Every man is considering I am the controller of my family. And every wife is thinking I am the controller of my husband. And the Prime Minister, the President, is thinking, I am controller of this land. Someone else is thinking, I am controller of my business. The pauper on the street is thinking, I am controller of this blanket. Or I, have the, I am the controller, the, the sannyasi, I am controller of my begging pot. And the great devatas, 
they are thinking, I am the controller of the wind, or I am controller of the sun, or I am controller of the moon. So from the insignificant ant up to the most powerful of the gods, everyone in this material world is considering that they are Ishwara. But Bhaktivinoda Thakur explains who is this Krishna. Tumi Sarveshwareshwara Brajendra Kumara That he is the controller of all controllers. Sarveshwareshwara All controllers, whoever is controlling over them, he is the supreme controller of all. Ishwara Parama Krishna Satchit Ananda Vigraha Anadir Adir Govinda Sarva Karanakaranam Krishna is supreme control. He is the absolute master of all that exists. Mayadhyakshena Prakriti Suyate Sacharacharam This material nature and everything within it is working under my direction. Aham sarvasya prabhavo sarvam pravartate. Everything material and spiritual is emanating from me. It is all under my supervision. Sarva karana karanam. And I am the cause of all causes and all that is. Tumi Sarveshwareshwara Brajendra Kumara. But this personality, who is the supreme absolute controller of everything, exists. He appears as the beautiful baby child of Nanda Maharaj, who is crawling in the courtyard of his father and mother like a helpless baby. Mother Jashoda is thinking that if I do not protect Krishna then he will certainly be in danger and perhaps he will get sick or he will die. Therefore, every morning she would do all sorts of Vedic rituals to invoke protection upon every limb of her child. And she would feed him most nutritious foodstuffs thinking that if he wasn't fed the best of foods, he would become sickly. And when a great demon would come like Putana or Trinavarta, and Krishna would very effortlessly destroy them, the residents of Vrindavan, they were thinking, it is not our Krishna that could have possibly done. He is only a helpless child. It must be due to our pious activities that he is saved. And afterwards, huh, they would perform so many rituals to protect him. Nanda Maharaj was thinking, if I don't work very hard all day, then I will not be able to have a nice place, a house to protect Krishna. I will not be able to bring nice food to feed Krishna. In this way, he is appearing like a helpless, beautiful child. 
only to receive the love of his devotee. And by his own sweet nature, the Supreme Absolute Truth becomes subordinate to the love of his devotee. Although everything is subordinate to him, he becomes like a child subordinate to the lo love and devotion of the bhaktas. It is described when the ladies, the gopis of Vrindavan, they would bring Krishna on their laps, they would start singing and clapping, and he would start to dance. He was a tiny little child. And he would dance just according to the, the way that they would sing. And according to how the rhythm that they would clap their hands, he would dance in that way. Although he could hardly walk, he would do like this. And they would laugh and find such joy that just see, he is like a little puppet in our hands. He dances according to how we clap. This is the Supreme Absolute Truth. Bhakti Vinod Thakur is explaining that we should not think that this beautiful child, the son of Nanda Maharaj, is ordinary. In Bhagavad Gita, he is displaying that same child, his universal form, to the greatest, mightiest Kshatriya in all the universe, Arjuna. And he is terrified to see in the form of time, he sees that God is killing and destroying everything and everyone. It does not matter who you are, where you've been, or what you have. You will be destroyed by God in the almighty form of time. Everyone must surrender to Krishna. It is just a question of how. Krishna says that as you approach me, I will reward you. I will reveal myself to you accordingly. Ah. So here we see the universal form of the Lord. But little do we know that we are also aimed in the direction irresistibly into those flaming mouths to be devoured. And that is the fact. Ah. What is our choice in this world? Our choice is whether we want to surrender to Krishna in the almighty devouring form of time, which is so horrible that even Arjuna cannot withstand seeing it or whether we want to surrender to Brajendranandana Kumar, the beautiful, innocent baby, child of Vrindavan, 
who is playfully smiling, laughing, and bringing joy to the hearts of all who see him. That is our choice. There is no third choice. Surrender means to utterly give everything of oneself to the object of surrender. People are very much frightened by the thought of surrender. In the recent war that took place in the Gulf, we read about this Mr. Saddam Hussein, how he surrendered to the Allied forces headed by the American military machine. But what pleasure, what happiness was in that surrender? The person he was surrendering to, he utterly hated. He could not tolerate. He wanted to destroy. But because he was overwhelmed, overcome, he had no choice but to give up everything and say, I surrender. After being beaten, after being flattened, after being devastated, when there was absolutely nowhere else to run, nowhere else to hide, finally he put up the white flag and said, I surrender. But that nature of surrender is painful. It's horrible. It's like death. But in the form of time, those who are not willing to surrender to Krishna with love must surrender in the same way. We want to keep what we have. Just like this president of Iraq, he invaded Kuwait, which was not his. He said, this is mine and I want to keep it. And finally, at the end, it was forcibly although he was struggling, squirming, and fighting to keep it, when it was absolutely beyond his control, he had to surrender. Here, it's yours, unconditionally. My dear friends, you are in that position. You have invaded God's property. Everything belongs to Krishna. Sarvalokamaheshwaram. Nothing is yours. But due to ego, due to a criminal mind, we have invaded the property of God and we call this mine. My body, my family, my home, my wealth, my business, my country my expertise. And when you have something, you become very attached to it. You convince yourself out of illusion that it is mine. Janasya mohoya mahamma meiti. I am this body. Everything in relation is mine. 
This is the disease that keeps everyone struggling in bondage. But in the form of time, just like the allied forces, Krishna comes into our life and he says, oh, you want to keep it? Just try. Old age, disease, and death are the weapons by which the almighty form of time conquers everyone. And at the time of death, which will take place today or tomorrow, we will be struggling, trying to fight it, trying to keep it, trying to convince everyone around us that it is mine. But in the end, we have to surrender. And we surrender with hate, with despise. Why is this happening to me? But ultimately, the bitter end is we put up the white flag and say, yes, take it back unconditionally. But there's no sweetness, there's no love. There's no charm in such surrender. It's horrible. To the extent we consider we are the controllers and the proprietors of anything in this world, to that degree we must surrender ultimately in this ghastly and horrible approach to Krishna in the form of death. But a devotee is very trusting. A devotee has faith that Krishna is all good and everything is his. So let me give up everything for his service. Let me utilize everything for his pleasure. Prakrite kriyamanani gunai karamani sarabasha ahankara vimudatma karataham iti manyate People are so crazy. They have a noose around their neck, which is about to strangle them. Gradually, it slowly but surely is strangling everyone. It is the noose of a hunkar or false ego. And we tighten it by our own free will. We deliberately tighten it more and more and more. And we're so crazy that although we're being strangled, we think it feels good. And when someone comes to take the noose off of our neck, or when the Supreme Personality of Godhead puts us in situations, where we realize that I am being controlled, I am helpless, I am the servant. We fight, don't take this noose off my neck. Keep it there, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine! This is material civilization in a nutshell 100%. Insanity. 
Why not simply accept Krishna? I am yours. That is the truth. And that is the sweetness of bhakti. Krishna, I am yours. And everything is yours. How may I serve you? Arjuna had the choice, standing on his battlefield, to surrender to his two-armed, beautiful, lotus-eyed friend, or to surrender to the all-devouring, blazing mouths of time. We all have that choice. And there is no third alternative. We are always eternally subordinate to Krishna. And surrender means that we have faith in Krishna's word. His word is Konteya Pratijanehiname Bhakta Pranashyati. That for my devotee, I am always the protector. My devotee will never perish. This faith and this trust in Krishna is only obtainable through associating with persons who have this trust and faith. Krishna is non-different than his name. When we chant the name of God, we are surrendering our consciousness to his will. That is the pro proper approach to the chanting of the holy names of Krishna. In the uh, Chaitanya Leela, there is a beautiful story about one of the um, very dear devotees of Lord Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. His name was Ganga Das Pandit. And it is described that at that time when Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu appeared 500 years ago in Nadia, the entire West Bengal was being governed by Mughal rulers. And many of them were very, very much ah, prejudiced against the Hindus and persecuted them in so many ways. And oftentimes they would very unfairly tax those who were of the Hindu religion. So Ganga Das Pandit was being chased by a regime of soldiers because he was unable to pay his taxes. It was impossible. So he was running with his family. He had a wife, 
sons and daughters. And he knew the nature of these soldiers. That when they catch you, they beat you, sometimes kill you. And if you have a wife, she will be raped and beaten. And if you have young daughters, they will be raped and beaten. And then you will, what, 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 what remains of your family gets thrown into jail. So he was thinking, my God, what a horrible thing. Not only for me, but for all around. So he was running and running and running. And then he came to the Ganges. Mother Ganga. But he, it was not a welcome sight. Because he had nowhere to run to. They were coming closer and closer. And it was night. It was late at night. And there was no boats anywhere to be seen, anywhere around. So he began to cry. And all of his family members began to cry. And he called out, Krishna, save me, please. Krishna, save my family members from this great disaster, please. At that time, something inconceivable took place. Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was reminding Ganga Das Pandit, do you remember that night? Ganga Das said, yes. He said, do you remember that a old boatman came at that time and he happened to come right up to where you were and he brought your whole family on the boat and took you across the river to a safe place he said yes Ganga Das said I have never told anyone of this how do you know and Lord Chaitanya said because I personally incarnated as that boatman to save my devotee. I allowed you to be put in that situation just so that you could desperately and helplessly fix your mind on me. And it is my promise that any devotee in any circumstance of life, if he helplessly fixes his consciousness on me, I will protect him. That is my vow. Krishna tells Arjuna that you declare it boldly that my devotee will never perish. Mare Krishna rake ke rake Krishna mare ke. Huh? If Krishna wants to protect you, there is no power in all the universe that can harm one hair on your head. And if Krishna wants to destroy you, even if you have the most mighty armies in all the world surrounding you to protect you, you will die. To have this faith in the Supreme Personality of Godhead and to accept with trust that if I surrender to Krishna, I will not be the loser, but I will win. I will be victorious by his mercy over death, over disease, over old age, and over all the elements of destruction in this world. 
and all the great scriptures of the world are simply meant to invoke that faith within our heart. Just trust. Krishna will protect you. And the examples of the scriptures are so illustrative. Just see someone like Prahlad. He was a frail young child of only five years old. And his father, Hiranyakashipu, was the mightiest asura in all of creation. Even Indra, with his celebrated thunderbolt, was hiding in fear, shaking at the thought of Hiranyakashipu facing him. All of the devatas out of fear, trembling before him, acted as his menial servant. And Prahlad had no physical strength to speak of whatsoever. He was not an intellectual. He was simply a bhakta who had faith in Krishna. And although when Hiranyakashipu would move his eyebrows in a slanted way, even the most powerful conquerors of the world would fall at his feet. Prahlad very honestly would tell him, My dear father, you are in a great illusion. You are in Maya. You should just surrender to Krishna and chant his holy names. You should give up your kingdom. You should go to Vrindavan. Adanda gobir vishatamtam isram punapunashcharvatacharvananam The whole world is celebrating you out of fear. But as far as I'm concerned, you're wasting your life chewing that which has already been chewed. Prahlad, as I say, he had nothing to fight his father with. He had no weapons. He had no physical strength. He was not an intellectual to defeat him in arguments. He had only one thing. He was armed with faith. That faith is more powerful than all the creation. Because if you have that faith in Krishna, Krishna reciprocates. And he will be there to protect you. He will be there to guide you. Ananyas chintayanto mam yejana paryupashate. Krishna says, For my devotee who surrenders with humility at my lotus feet, I preserve what he has and carry what he lacks. But if you try to do it on your own, then Krishna says, you're on your own. It's you against material energy. It's you against the universal form of God. Even Bhishma, Drona, with all of their might, they were nothing before the universal form of God. There is an example that when the river is flowing very fast, 
even the strongest of all animals, the elephant, if he tries to go against the current, he is swept away, drowned to death. But the most innocent, insignificant little fish can go upstream, downstream, across stream, any way he wants, without any danger, without any pain. Now, if you made a battle between that fish and the elephant, who would win? The elephant would destroy him in a second. But in the river, the fish has more strength than the elephant. Why? Because the elephant has not learned the art of surrendering to the river. But the fish although insignificant in every way, has learned how to surrender. The river of time, the river of material existence, is sweeping even the most powerful conquerors. Into oblivion. Where is Alexander the Great? Where is Napoleon? Where is Hitler? Where is Mr. Kennedy? Where is Aurangzeb? These great, great conquerors. They have all been swept away by the river of time. Cast into oblivion. But if we learn to humbly surrender to the Lord, ah, then we are free. We are liberated. We are liberated from the cycle of birth and death. It is said in the spiritual world, Vaikuntha, time is conspicuous by its absence. So people may say, but we find that even great acharyas, they also grow old and they appear to get diseased. And where are they today? They also must meet death. So what is the difference? The difference is what you cannot see. The eyes deceive us. We are not this material body. This material body is a set of clothes which cover the eternal soul. One who recognizes that my body is the property of God. One who is the humble servant of Sri Hari. He simply watches the material phenomena take place, but he is not attached. Therefore, he is not affected. But one who identifies with the body as the self and one who identifies the extensions and the attachments of the body as mine. They must suffer the great tribulations of birth, old age, disease and death.
जन्म मृत्यु Krishna says this is the real problem of this world birth old age disease and death we are not so concerned with all the details we are concerned with this I remember one time there was great argument that according to certain of the Vedic literatures it disagreed with the material scientists one says the moon is closer one says the sun is closer and there was a great great uprising of doubt that how could this be if one part is wrong then I have to accept that it is not the authority of God everything either everything must be right or everything is not absolute so they approached Srila Prabhupada with this problem he said believe what you want whether the moon is closer or the sun is closer is not the problem the problem is that you must face birth, old age, disease, and death. If the scientists could free you from that, you should surrender to them and have faith in them. But they cannot. The Sastras are teaching us how to live a life free from the miseries of material existence. That is the real problem. That is the aim. And that is the purpose. After all, even if you prove that the moon is closer, you have to die. So what have you accomplished? So we must understand the essential principle of religion. The essential principle is that God is good. Om Purnam Ada Purnam Idam Purnat Purnam Udachyate Purnasya Purnam Adaya Purnam Evavashishyate That the absolute truth is perfect and complete. And all emanations from the absolute truth are perfect and complete. And it is said in the Bhagavatam, Janmadya Shajaton Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Janmadya Shajataha. I offer my obeisances to Vasudev, Sri Krishna, who is the absolute truth. So when Bhakti Vinod Thakur sings the glories of this little baby child who was crawling on all fours in the courtyard of Nanda Maharaj, we should know that he is the full manifestation of the absolute truth, the source of everything that exists. That same little baby at one time he was on his mother's lap, Jashodamai, and out of parental affection, 
milk just started to flow from her breast. And she took her child because she wanted so much to nourish him with the sweetness of her milk. And she opened his mouth and when she looked in his mouth she saw the entire cosmic manifestation, all of creation within that tiny little mouth of Gopal. And she was struck with wonder. This is Krishna. So when we hear the beautiful pastimes of the Lord from authoritative sources, the effect is we develop faith in Krishna and we lose our faith in our own independent plans. Ah, part of developing faith in Krishna is you must lose faith in you. This is opposite of material psychology. The psychologists, their whole basis is you have to have self-confidence. That is true, you should have self-confidence, but it should be Confidence in the Paramatma, the Supreme Self, not in the Ahankar, the, 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 the false self. Sometimes Krishna pushes us, shoves us and puts us in situations where our own egoistic dignity is trampled upon. But Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he prayed, Krishna, please do this, do it again and again. If you like, my dear Krishna, you can, ha, ah, you can embrace me. Or if you like, you can neglect me, making me broken-hearted by not being present before me. Or if you like, you can trample upon me. I am your burden. I am your servant. You are my Lord, birth after birth after birth. You can deal with me in any way you please. By hearing the beautiful pastimes of the Lord and by chanting the holy names of the Lord in the association of genuine sadhus, genuine devotees of the Lord, this faith awakens in our heart. Faith in Krishna. To give up one's own sense of prestige and become the humble servant of the Lord's devotees. This is the process. Through this process, trust in Krishna's supreme protection awakens within our heart. And at that time, there is nothing more beautiful and sweet and charming to the heart than the thought of surrendering to Krishna. When Prahlad Maharaj was thrown off the cliff, he simply put out his arms and said, Krishna, I'm surrendered to you. And a bird came and caught him and brought him to safety. He had no fear. Bhajahure mana srinandanandana Abhayat 
My dear mind, please always fix yourself at the lotus feet of this beautiful son of Nanda Maharaj. With faith and trust, always remember him. Because then there is no more fear. This human life is very rare. But the most valuable commodity in all of existence is the association of saintly persons. For through their association, this fearless state of humbly taking shelter of the lotus feet of Krishna can be ours. Govinda Das prays Edana Jovana Putra Parijana Iteki Ache Parati Tide Kamala Dala Jala Jivanatalamala Bajahun Hari Padani Tide Throughout my entire life I have worked very hard, toilessly for my wife, for my children, for my home, for my distinction. And now that I am old, what do I have to show for it? Nothing but a heart full of frustration and aggrievement. As a drop of water appears on the lotus flower, for a moment and then passes away. This is the nature of everything we are trying to hold on to into this world. Therefore, my mind, please worship the lotus feet of Lord Hari. That is the fearless state. And how to worship the feet of Hari? It is very simple. Shukadev Goswami explains that simply by opening our heart to hear his glories and to chant his holy names, we can always remember his lotus feet. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has given us this simple formula. Surrender to the beautiful son of Nanda Maharaj by chanting his holy name. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Thank you very much. Is there any questions? Yes? Maharaj, you said that uh, 
Krishna will protect and whatever Krishna will do, everything will be perfect. Kunte Pratyanma Nama Bhakti Pranashti or Om Purnamada, as you said, yesterday I was in court and there are about one dozen six advocates here. So one of my advocate friend, his wife expired, two children or they are also advocates. So they are saying if Krishna is all good and he and the wife was a great devotee and at the age of 40 she died. So she said if Krishna is good then why? I am losing faith in Krishna. Why? Why this should happen? She was a great devotee. My mother was a great devotee. Her husband said my wife was a great devotee. Then why this should happen? If he is all good, then why this should happen? On the contrary, we lose faith in Krishna in this situation. Because now the children are not married and I am also now everywhere there is problem, problem in life. human form of life is not meant for quantity, it is meant for quality. The question is not whether we die or do not die, we must die. The question is what happens to the soul after death? If one is a pious and pure-hearted soul with devotion to God. And that, that person will meet God at the time of death. That is the supreme pleasure of life. The doors to eternal life open before that person. If a person has a little pious, one continues in a better place. That is Krishna's promise. So we cannot judge things according to our very, very limited vision. In America, we have a disease called AIDS. In Bombay, it is rapidly growing. So a man who's having wonderful affair with a beautiful woman who has AIDS, you may say, he's enjoying more than me. It appears that way. You cannot judge things by how they appear. You have to analyze things by truth. The truth underlying it is tomorrow he must suffer. Huh? He must die a horrible death. So similarly, one child is going to college and is suffering like crazy studying his books. And another child is just playing cricket in the streets without an education. So if you're going to judge by your own eyes, one child is having much more fun than the other. He's much more fortunate. But in the future, one will be starving on the streets and one will be very secure and successful in life. 
So only a fool will judge things on face value. We have to understand the workings underlying this material creation, the laws of God. Everyone gets exactly what they deserve, good and bad. Dying young or dying old, that is not what is important. What is important is what happens to the soul after death. After all, Shankaracharya only lived 33 years. Do we consider him unfortunate? He only lived 33 years. So why are there millions of people following him today? People should think. He only lived 33 years and the success of life is a long life. Why should I follow him? Jesus Christ died at 31 years and he has hundreds and millions of followers even to this day 2,000 years later. Well, if I want to live more than 31 years, I should not follow that man. Lord Chaitanya left this world at 48 years. Human life is not meant simply for many years. Human life is meant for quality. Therefore, we must understand beyond our vision how this material nature and how God is working. If a person lives for three years, for five years, for six years with devotion to God, that person has lived a life which is perfect and glorious. Shukadev Goswami said, better one moment living in full consciousness than a whole long, long life in forgetfulness. Huh? If you are interested in simply maintaining a body that has to die ultimately, then this will be your standard of great life, is longevity. But if you understand you are not the body, you are the eternal soul, then your standard of a great life will be, huh? the quality of devotion that has arisen during that lifespan. The question is, when Krishna says, my devotee will never perish, will not perish in what sense? He obviously does not mean the material body. Because he says, my devotee will never perish. And every material body must perish. Today or tomorrow. Neha bikramana sosti pratyavayo nevidyate svalpam apyasya dharmasya trayate mahatobaya. What he is speaking is this, that whatever advancement one makes in spiritual life, that is never lost. That Krishna personally 
takes the soul of his devotee. In his love, his devotion will never perish. Krishna says, always think of me, become my devotee, worship, your, worship me and offer homage unto me. In this way you will come to me without fail. This is my promise. The soul is imperishable, is eternal. For the devotee, he is liberated in enlightenment of the imperishable existence of the soul. Factually, every soul is imperishable. But those who are in illusion, those who are not the Lord's devotees, because they identify with the body and the property that belongs to the body, everything perishes within their life. But because a devotee only identifies, Krishna, I am your eternal servant. And Krishna is always with him, before him. That relationship never perishes in life or at death. Speak loudly, please. No one begins at a hundred percent. A tree begins with a little tiny seed. That seed is nourished and watered daily. It grows into a big, big tree. Similarly, a journey begins with the first step. You never reach your journey immediately. So it is 
not practical to think that we can surrender 100% now. We should strive for that by beginning with the first step and then progressively marching forward. And that first step, Rupa Goswami explains, sadhu sangota At first there's a little faith. That faith will bring you into the association of saintly persons, sadhu satsang. In that association, we begin to follow the regulative principles. No illicit sex, no intoxication, no gambling, no meat-eating. Ah, no intoxication. And we start to follow the principles of chanting the holy names, hearing the glories of the Lord, and engaging in devotional activities. Through this process, our faith increases to the extent where we are willing to accept initiation from a bona fide spiritual master. And through the process of following his instructions, gradually, all the unwanted things, the anarthas, are cleansed from the heart. Then, nishta, our faith becomes unshakable. When a seed is just growing, it can easily be broken. But when it becomes a big, big tree, nothing can stop it. Nothing can move it. But this is not the conclusion either. We must continue following the instructions of Guru. And that firm faith develops into a higher taste where we are no longer interested in the things of the ego and of the senses. We are simply interested in giving pleasure to Krishna in his devotional service. And gradually, through the divine energy of the Lord, that develops into love of God. So Krishna consciousness is a gradual process. We have to begin from wherever we are. And if we are sincere, Krishna will guide us into the association of saintly persons who can take us to that destination. Any other questions? Yes. Maharaj, in your lecture, in the, at the end of the lecture, you said, that until and unless we take the dust from the lotus feet of a saintly person, there is no chance of a spiritual, means we cannot understand anything. The point is this, we are Hindus, born in India, and most of us are vegetarian, and we do go attend Bhagavatam Saptaha, by one or somebody or other, we go to temple. So this is our, this is the way we are going there, touching the feet of sadhu, the way you are asking us to touch the feet of a sadhu, 
mistake the dust so we are doing so what is what you mean by that take the dust spur on the um, on our body the dust of the and how to get which what type of sadhu you are having in your mind uh, all these sadhu we are going since last 30 20 50 years and we are there we are we were or on the country we are in the worst situation Prahlad Maharaj was speaking of sadhus who were of the nature of his spiritual master Narada Muni. The quality of Narada Muni is he is constantly chanting the glories of the Lord. He is constantly living in pursuance of the mission of the Lord, which means to enlighten everyone and anyone in pure devotional service. Narada Muni taught Prahlad Dhruva how to chant the holy names of the Lord, how to always hear about the Lord, how to always remember the Lord, and how to live a pure and sinless life in this path of bhakti. Such souls who are representatives of Narada Muni are the only means of approaching Krishna. To take the dust from their lotus feet doesn't simply mean the process of taking your hand and putting it on their feet. That means very little. After all, Prahlad Maharaj was in the womb of his mother. The only contact he had with Narada Muni that we know of was when he was within the womb of his mother. So obviously he couldn't take his hand and get the dust from his feet. So it was not a physical process. But 24 hours a day he was rolling in the dust of the feet of Narada Muni because he was humbly serving his instructions. It means humbling oneself utterly before the great souls and following their instructions. Maharaji, whatever you have been saying, we understand very, very, very well. And we try to behave as per your instruction. But still I find that I am nowhere near, I am hundred miles away from you. And the faith, what you tell us, we are no, nowhere near. Rather I am, instead of uh, advancing, I am regressing. So, really a very, you know, Intellectually, yes, we understand everything what you say, to surrender and God is the proprietor of everything, but still uh, chant the name, get up in the morning, take bath and chant uh, for one hour, afternoon, one hour, everything we are doing, but still proprietorship right and all that thing, you know, intellectually, yes, Maharaj, but... Uh, it, Thank <laughs> you.
You see, intellectually, we can at the most be given the understanding of where to go and how to get there. But that's where intellectualization ends. If you want to progress, toward that destination, you have to begin to apply these principles to your life. How anxious are we to serve the devotees? Shushu shro shudhadana sya vasu devakatharuchi syan mahatsevaya viprapunjatiratana sevanat. The Bhagavatam explains that simply by getting a relish to hear the glories of the Lord, all unwanted things are removed from our heart. But that desire, that eagerness to hear the glories of the Lord is born from serving the great souls. You see, the problem is we start to follow a few instructions and we think, that's enough. No more. I'm chanting my rounds, I'm following the principles, I'm getting up early in the morning, that's all, that's enough. We stop there. For some time it is enough, you'll make advancement. But if you want to make more advancement, you have to do more. You have to go beyond, otherwise it becomes mechanical. If we do not step forward with an eagerness to render service, then all of our chanting will become mechanical. Devotional service is what fertilizes our heart for the seed of the holy name to grow. Huh? We must attentively chant the holy name. And we must always be aspiring to render service. We must be always anticipating the next opportunity when I can offer some help. It is said that God does not see how much you give, he sees how much you are holding back. We may be chanting a few mantras, but how much are we holding back? We are giving him two hours a day, but how much of the rest of the day are we giving him? Huh? So this eagerness to hear the glories of the Lord comes through devotional service. And if we're not eager to assist, eager to help, either to eager to increase our service to our guru, then what happens is the basic principles we're following become mechanical. Then we become inattentive. 
we lose our desire for hearing and chanting, that is the danger. That is why we need the association of devotees to guide us forward. Most religions in the world today are mechanical rituals. The chanting of the holy names is in every religion. But in most cases they are mechanical rituals. The principles, I've gone to Mangalarti, I've done my job for Krishna. It becomes a mechanical ritual. We must be stri striving and struggling to hear the name when we are chanting. Then it is not a mechanical ritual. If you are struggling and striving to hear, you will never get tired of it. It's only when you do it to get it done that you get tired of it. Hmm? When you come to the lecture and you just hear, say, very nice and go away, then it becomes a mechanical ritual. But when you hear and you say, I have to do something about this, I have to apply this to my life, and you do, then you'll everly in, ever increasingly want to hear more and more and more. So this is a great danger for everyone on every spiritual path. Most people fall into this syndrome of forgetting the spirit of devotion, the spirit of humility, the spirit of service. And they simply go through the external forms of the basic mechanics. At Nuvrindavan, Srila Bhaktipat has come completely stripped away many eternal appearances that people are attached to and then they realize that there was no substance to their connection to Krishna beyond the external appearance. Huh? Krishna consciousness doesn't simply mean chanting your rounds. It means chanting your rounds attentively. And you cannot uh, chant your rounds attentively unless you are training yourself throughout the day in an attitude of service. And if you follow this instruction, you will find dynamic life and excitement and beauty in every minute of your Krishna consciousness. I thank you very much. <laughs>